You're tuning in to Neurodiversity, a podcast for neurodivergent adults and the people who love them. Please note that this podcast does not substitute medical or professional diagnosis and advice. What's up, lovers and friends? Welcome back to Neurodiversity. So I've been doing some work on myself per usual, right? And one thing that's really been important is asking for help and asking for what I need. Um, Not just assuming that people will know or just assuming that people will make it a priority because people have their own lives and their own things to deal with and worry about and enjoy and all of that. And so them not knowing or anticipating my needs may not be personal. So that's something that I've been working through. And in the spirit of doing better once you know better, um, I am asking you to share this podcast. So if you know a neurodivergent person, if you know someone who may be in a relationship with a neurodivergent person, just share this podcast if you think it may help them. Um, Alternatively, if you like, if you could subscribe, if you can rate the podcast, that really helps to get the message out there. Um, My goal is really to grow a global audience and it will happen. It is going to happen and I appreciate your help along the way. So today we're going to talk about RSD or rejection sensitive dysphoria. Um, so before we get into it though, it's important to keep in mind that RSD is not a medical condition or like a diagnosable condition. It is just an experience that is very common, um, in neurodivergent populations, particularly I see it most talked about in relation to ADHD. Um, but I don't have evidence that supports that it only comes with ADHD. Um, I imagine with many neurodivergent um, conditions, obviously, like, you know, we experience rejection and have differences and things that we may hide. And so um, we may have more sensitivity to feeling rejected. All right. Um, so RSD, rejection sensitive dysphoria, it is an intense state of emotional dysregulation. Um, so the word dysphoria actually, oh gosh, I don't know what language it's in. Is it Greek? It might be Greek. Uh, don't call me on that. I will post an article though, uh, in the show notes, but dysphoria, the Greek of dysphoria actually means unbearable. Um, so if you put that in context with gender dysphoria, that means like that gender that you have been, has been subscribed to you is unbearable for you. Um, body dysphoria, like, you know, being in your body may feel very, very unbearable or dysphoric. Um, so those are, those are actually diagnosable conditions. Um, so in the same way, feeling rejected feels unbearable to you and, 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 and that rejection that you may perceive um, your threshold for perceiving that rejection will be very low. All right. Um, 
So it's this unbearable emotional pain in response to either real or perceived rejection. So the rejection doesn't have to actually have happened. And I'm going to tell you a story in a second about that. Um, but RSD is very quick. It, it, it's sudden. It's um, like a whirlwind. It just kind of takes over. And, you know, you may have a trigger like, you know, the real or perceived rejection, like criticism, teasing, um, even if it's like playful teasing, right? Um, like I, I told you like in one of the last episodes that um, when I was hanging out with my friend Nikki, like he was like teasing me about like not being able to paint my nails. And it's just like a fact. It is it is, it is this objective fact that I am absolute trash at painting nails. Um, but like I, I just felt like I just felt like criticized and I just felt like embarrassed because well, that's my own work to do. Just kind of like holding these notions about maybe like what it means to be a woman or like maybe I should be able to paint my nails, blah, 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 blah. And honestly, like the whole nail painting thing, like not that anyone needs to be able to paint their nails, but like for me, I also have like fine motor issues. So like just holding myself to like unrealistic standards, right? Um, yeah, other triggers can also be like negative self-talk. Um, so I... Hmm. I might switch the order in which I release this. We'll see. Um, but there was a some there was an incident that happened that same summer as the Great Unmasking, which I'm gonna get into in an episode. Um, so you may have already heard it, or if you didn't, you will hear it soon. Um, and and my negative self-talk actually really set off. Um I didn't have like a full-blown RSD um, or like I didn't like actually like have a meltdown with it or even a panic attack. Mm, well, until later, I guess. I guess that's not true. Later that day, I actually did really break down and like cry. But like in the moment, I guess I kind of kept it together, but it was rough. Um, so I'm going to come back to that story. Um, but I, I want to say for clinicians. I think it's really important for clinicians to be aware of RSD because we're human, right? And even in our humanness and even even in our educational training, uh, we, we can really bring in biases. And I've been on the receiving end of that. And I'm sure I've been on the giving end of that as well. Um, and, and so just being careful and, and and of what your boundaries are or like what you choose to be an issue like for instance like if someone comes to my session and like they're eating like I'm not about to give them a hard time about that like this is their time and if they need to eat at the same time like it is what it is unless we're doing something very specific like some sort of somatic work where they need to like not be eating then fine um just things like that like I try not to, and I try to be careful of potential criticisms in the sense of like maybe leading that person or having them kind of uh, come to the realization around their behavior. And that's what therapy is really, right? Um, But I do see that sometimes, especially as we transition in the therapeutic uh, sphere, that we, we can move away from just kind of listening and guiding um, in a supportive way and we can move more into like 
education, which is a part of therapy, so that's psychoeducation, but we can move more into like advice giving, I guess. And just really caution that, especially if you're working with neurodivergent populations, um, really make sure, because um, what you may even be judging, like, you might not understand. So, like, they might need to do that thing that way for particular reasons, you know. Um, I don't have a specific example at the moment, but just keep that in mind. I won't ramble on about it. Um so let's let's have story time. Yeah. So we're going to talk about ooh, a dating experience of mine. <laughs> As you've already heard me say dating is a very interesting thing to me. Um not that I don't like it, but it's just it can just be a lot. Anyway, um, so let's set the scene. I am 18 years old. I'm a freshman in college and there is this boy. <laughs> and I even want to maybe just like bag it up just a second. I told y'all I'm not great at telling stories, but like, I don't know if anyone has ever watched, um, Love on the Spectrum, right? And I'm sure there's critiques and all of that, but what I think is really cute is like, you see these people um, and they're very like adamant about like falling in love and just like, you know, they see somebody and they see their person and like, once they really like someone, like they're pretty like into it or loyal or whatever. So I also kind of experienced that um, in my life and I call it like imprinting, like like imprint on someone. So like, yes, big Twilight vibes. Um, so like I like I get it imprinted on this dude even before like I got to college, like as I had went there, like as a senior or whatever, and he was like at this thing or whatever. So I remembered him. Um so we're gonna call him Spicy Boy. <laughs> Cause that's what me and my roommate used to call him. <laughs> um but anyway, so like Spicy Boy. Um we this was very early on, uh freshman year. So we went to a party. I was at a party, whatever, whatever. He walks me home and, you know, I invite him back inside. I'm drunk. I mean, he might be drunk. I don't know. Anyway, like we make out. It's cool. I'm like, all right, I'm in love with you. Like, let's do it. <laughs> and so like, you know, I'm trying to like seduce him and like, he's not going for it. Like he's just not going for it. And like, I mean, like not like being rude, but he's just like, oh no, like, that's okay or whatever. And like, so he goes home. And so, like, RSD came a knocking, and it came hard. And, like, I was so, I was just, like, I didn't understand. Like, I didn't understand, like, why he wouldn't want to sleep with me. Because, like, who doesn't want to sleep with me? I'm kind of kidding. Anyway, um, so, like, I was, like, I was, like, confused. And then, like, I held myself to, like, such high standards which high standards aren't an issue, but when there are gender standards that are imposed on you that, like, make you feel, like, less less about yourself or, you're like, you know, lower your self-esteem, like, that is an issue. So, like, at that point in time in my life, like, I felt, like, to be a good woman or, like, a desirable woman or, or um, yeah, to be a desirable woman, like, I needed to be, like, totally shaved and every hair needed to be in place and you know like all the pubes needed to be together and like the pubes were not like 
together according to my standards, right? And so, like, I'm just like, oh, my God, like, he probably, like, hates me now, probably thinks I'm gross, and, like, this kind of thing, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so, that happens. I see him, I don't know, maybe a day or so later or whatever, um, at the library. And so, I don't know, like, I remember, like, I looked at him, and we made some eye contact, and, like, well, I was already feeling bad about myself, um, already negative self-talking, already perceived rejection so then the eye contact to me was like really weird um so i thought he looked at me funny and then i was just like oh so he doesn't like me or whatever so i was just weird around him (laughs) like pretty much from then on out um in any sort of like non-intoxicated situation um but then when i would be like drunk it was a whole different story of like where i would just awkwardly flirt with him and things like that and um I'm I'm pausing because there's like an overlap of things as there often are with um, neurodivergent conditions. Um, So like one time, like we were like outside of a club or whatever. And like, I went to, he had very long hair and like like, very long curly hair. So I went to go like touch his hair. And first of all, that's rude. It's just rude. Like, I don't know why I did that, but I was drunk and a child so like you know i'm gonna touch his hair or whatever and like we weren't even cool because like that whole like incident that like i started being weird about and like he's just like looking at me like what the fuck is up with you and like i like when he like turns around like i'm just like like a kid like you know and like snatch my hand back and like gonna look away or like whatever and so like that i don't think it's rsd um, I think that is just, I was drunk and then my inhibitions were lowered. So I didn't have the capacity to mask like I do when I'm sober. And then I was just, you know, trying to make friends um, in a very probably autistic way. <laughs> um, so that's why, that's my opinion on that. But anyway, so, um, you know, it would just be like, me like crying at his apartment when we would go like play games or like crying on street clothes and things like that and this happened like periodically over the course of like a couple of years so like not that rsd like it was like one smooth like rsd episode but just know that like it can continue right so and it can sometimes take a while to recover from depending on like you know what it is um so yeah that was kind of like what would happen with him and I remember like one time like talking to him and just like just like I don't know what I said I just remember like sitting on the side of his house and he was like very nice to me and I was just like sobbing and I'm just like I just liked him I just liked him I didn't know how to regulate those emotions or like handle that and then like when I was sober I would then like feel that RSD whenever I was around him because I was just like how embarrassing right like sober me could like um conceptualize that um yeah so The kicker, though, is that, like, RSD, or not RSD, the kicker is that, like, I don't think the rejection was ever real. Like, I feel that it was totally perceived in the sense of, like, well, I, we became cool as I got older, like, after college, and, like, things are fine now, Um, but 
yeah, so I don't think it was really like ever like a real rejection. It was just I had all of these ideas about like what should happen. Um, you know, these these um social stories that I've kind of concocted mostly probably from media, honestly. Um and and things didn't go my way. So then like, yeah, I felt like this very like unbearable sort of rejection. Um and yeah, I would just be sad and cry and also be like stonewalling. And um, so that's just like an example of like how it doesn't necessarily have to be actual rejection. Like that choice to like, um, you know, not sleep with me after walking me home when I was really drunk. Like kudos to you, spicy boy. Like gold star, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't know if we deserve gold stars for not raping people, but like... But nonetheless, I think that was a very kind, um, a kind gesture and, a, and, and um, very kind behavior. And so it was really hard to see that at that point in time. So anyway, moving on from the story, like RSD is not something that you really work on like in therapy because it's like very sudden, like it's very like rapid and it kind of just like can kind of take over you and then like in a body-based way. Um, so we, well, not we, because I don't prescribe meds, but in the field, it's usually treated with medication and I take meds for it. So um, I take um, guafacin. I think that might be how it's pronounced, but like the label, the brand name is Intuit. Um, so it's technically a blood pressure medication, um, but we use it to help to calm our nervous systems and kind of prevent that uh, that sudden overwhelm. Um, it also helps with uh, my sensory sensitivities and kind of like uh, muting those a little bit. Um, it doesn't get rid of them, but um, it helps me like not actually be like pissed off. So that's really been helpful. And in general, just like meds have been really helpful. Um, I also have gabapentin which I'll take in an emergency. So it's like a, um, I guess I don't really know meds like that. I could have, maybe I should have looked that up before I started recording, but um, do use it for like um, as needed anxiety medication um, to really calm me down if I'm feeling overwhelmed. But I will say like since taking meds and also, you know, working with professionals and providers, um, my ability to self-regulate my emotions um, and to self-regulate them without internalizing them. I think that's really important, um, has has tremendously improved because um, there was a period in my life where I thought like I was like very like emotionally like healthy, but I was really just internalizing a lot of stuff and like not speaking up for myself. Um, and so that can be a really uh, thin line to kind of navigate, especially for um, neurodivergent folks who may not, um, may have difficulty in like those subtleties. So I think that's it. I think that's all I want to say about RSD. It's not like, there's not a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to say too, like the podcast, like I am, like I said, I really want to talk about my experiences, right? And so I will kind of throw in um, some diagnostic criteria like here and there as I see fit. Um, But if you are just looking more for like 
psychoeducation on like these conditions and like what they look like and co-occurring things like that's more gonna take place or that the home for that is more on like the instagram page so um follow ndt on ig um and it's in the show notes so as i build that up like when i release this episode there probably won't be um any sort of info uh on rsd on there just yet but as i build it up it will be more of an informative space and also an encouraging space so i hope that that is helpful and i will talk to y'all soon peace